Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood Raw, there's a reason. From page six to TMZ, Daily Mail, and People Magazine, everyone is talking about the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt and Adam Glynn. Welcome to the Hollywood Raw podcast, uh, where we cover all aspects of the pop culture, Hollywood world. My name is Adam Glenn. Over there is Dax Holt. We got a good show for you today. We got Eric Garner from Puck News. He was formerly at the Hollywood Reporter, but he is uh, he's the man over at Puck News. They cover he covers everything, kind of the, all the legal kind of cases in Hollywood. So I'm really interested in talking to him, and he could kind of explain to us what the what the actual strike is about the actor mm-hmm. strike the writer strike is going on you see all the photos every day what is going on what's the latest how long it's going to go for and more um dax did you ever i hated covering courts i didn't like it either it's it tough was- it's it's a grind the legal terminology you know when you're inside the court and you're like frantically writing notes down because you have to call back to the office to be like okay this is what they sentenced this person for and you're like uh, but I hope I wrote down the right word, but it was all going out so quickly and how long the the term, the sentences or, you know, what is part of the probation? Like there's so much in a lot of court cases, they won't even let you bring in a recorder or anything to tape what it is. So you're trying to frantically write down information and not being someone who has any legal background. I am like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I haven't done courts in years and years and years, but I did not enjoy it. Yourself? Yeah, no, I hated it, especially being a camera guy. You had to find out which door they're going in, which door they're coming out. You had to like follow them on the way out because you can't use your camera in the courtroom. The other thing was you had to fight with other camera guys. For some reason, journalists feel like if a celebrity comes out of court or if it's a high-profile person coming out of court, they all need to bunch up together and just throw the camera. You see those videos. The camera's going crazy of like – trying to get the shot of them walking out of court. It's like, guys, they're just walking. We could give them plenty of space. We don't need to be all up on them. And it adds Unless to- it's Cardi B because she's had some really good court exits. Yeah. Her, but she's I probably think- my favorite court exiter. <laughs> but I think it also adds to the allure of like showbiz. I think that's what media outlets like. They want to see the, the craziness. Like, hey, make it look crazy. Start bumping mm-hmm. into each other and fighting over the shot because it adds to the excitement of the news story. Um I mean, I covered. I've covered so many court cases from, I don't know, like Alec Baldwin. Uh, oh man, I, it brings me PTSD when I talk about it because I hated it so much. 
Yeah. The chords are gross. It's not fun. They're gross. And, and this is someone, like and, and Eric, who we're having on today, this is like his normal thing. Like he does a lot of court cases. He covers it all. He's been doing it for years. So he must have a different appreciation for court. But he also has a legal background. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, before we get to Eric, uh, when you guys leave us a review, we actually read it on the air. It's the easiest thing for you to do. It's the easiest way to support us. Go to the podcast app, uh, uh, for example, on iTunes. Or no, go to the podcast app on your iPhone if you have an iPhone. Put it in Hollywood Raw. Go all the way to the bottom, and you'll see a place where you can leave a review. And you can leave five stars. Say a few kind words. Give us five stars, and we'll actually read your review live on air. Dax, do you have a review ready for us? Yeah, here's one. Oh, boy, this is a lot of reading. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Five stars from Embry M, the best, most addicting podcast. This is hands down my favorite podcast. I've listened and stayed current every week for the past two years and love Adam and Dax so much. I went back to 2018 and started listening to every pod they've ever recorded from Hollywood Pipeline until now. The interviews they've done are incredible, real, honest, and insightful and fun and have made uh, me a fan of people I don't know much about or had a different view of based on reading headlines over the years. I jump to listen to everything or anything they release, and it never disappoints. These guys work so hard and deserve all the continued success. Holy shit balls! Very this nice. Is maybe one of my favorite reviews ever, Embry. So nice. So cool. So appreciated. Uh, keep the reviews coming in. Again, it's the best thing to do to support this podcast. On to today's guest, Dax. Tell me about our guest today. Hold on. I'm titling this review real fast because I, I have them <laughs> like in there. I, I titled it Incredible Review. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so first off, I want to, for people that haven't heard of Puck, um, just so they know what we're talking about, Puck is a platform. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a new website for smart, engaging, sometimes... Uh, I don't want to say trashy, dishy journalism. It's owned and operated by journalists themselves. And so when we say puck, you guys will know. But our guest today is a former journalist for The Hollywood Reporter, now one of the founders of Puck News, covers all their legal affairs. Eric Gardner, welcome, buddy. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I know we're going back and forth on Twitter for a while, which you're a fun follow on Twitter. Um, but I want people first to know your background before we get all into it. You were at Hollywood Reporter, and now you're at Puck News, which I love what you guys are doing at Puck. It's just a really fun, uh, smart, just cool way of kind of telling us the news, and it's all ran by journalists, which is by yourself. But I just want to know your coming of age so people are familiar with you. How did you get your start in the industry to what exactly you do now? Sure. Well, I've been a journalist uh, my entire career. Uh, I went to school for journalism. Um, back in the day, uh, when I got into journalism, there was a particular breed of journalism that was pretty hot, which was business technology. And I was getting out of school, and uh, a lot of editors were desperate for reporters. Uh, I had freelance for some national magazines, and some editors were, were calling me up, not even knowing that I was still a student and offering me jobs. And uh, so I was lucky, and uh, lucky in, in some respects because because uh, I you know, quickly got off my feet when after I was a student. Uh, unlucky in 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 uh, in other respects because this was the time of the uh, dot com bust, so to speak. 
So I uh, quickly had to like re uh, navigate myself, uh, which I did. And uh, I started getting into legal journalism, um, which I found that I had a, a pretty good knack for. Uh, and then I, you know, I bounced around, did a did a you know a bunch of different high profile magazines new york magazine slate bloomberg uh eventually getting to hollywood reporter where they needed someone uh versed in in, in legal stuff and i was always very into entertainment and media so it was a perfect fit that's awesome how, how i mean are you literally using your law knowledge every single day because i listen there's a lot of reporters out there there's not a lot that actually know the ins and outs of law and i got to tell you how many times adam and i talk about on here and we're like god i just wish i knew a little bit more about law right now while covering this story because i feel like i could give just a little bit more insight so are you using it literally on a daily basis Absolutely. And I, I use it in so many different ways, some ways that, that are not always even apparent. I mean, obviously, the, the mo most apparent way is when I cover stuff and I'm able to explain something that's happening legally and, and break it down and almost, you know, translate what's in a different language uh, into English so that, uh, you know, the lay reader can, can understand the dense stuff that's happening. But what other people don't see from day to day is how I navigate the judicial bureaucracy, how I go through it, how, how I find stuff, how, how I, you know, know when, when, when stuff is filed. Uh, sometimes it requires intervention uh, in the courts, um, advocate, advocating for, for, for more transparency. Uh, you know, I've worked with uh, specialists to open up arbitration outfits uh, to to make them disclose more stuff. Um, so there, there's a, there's a lot a lot of stuff that goes into uh, the work that I do, uh, and I'm absolutely using it on a day to day basis. I I don't know if I ever imagined that that I would be doing this per se uh, growing up, but uh, but <laughs> I'm glad I did because because uh, none uh, of us um, knew we'd be talking yeah. about celebrity stuff all day long every day it's ridiculous you know eric i did mm -hmm. want to ask you just mentioned something where you have to basically dumb down a story for the common reader can you dumb down the actor strike for for people out there what why this is such a big deal and i want to say actors and writers um but why this strike is n number one so important but like maybe what is happening detail. yeah give us the sure. the layman's term of what's happening well, there aren't too many industries in, in, in I guess, in this world, in, in America especially, where, where it's completely unionized. Uh, the only other, you know, major industry in America besides entertainment that I could say this about is sports, um, where, you know, collective bargaining, where, where, you know, workers go in and every few years a set, there's a set process to negotiate the terms and conditions of their employment. Uh, the, the special thing about entertainment is you create something, but then it has this legacy that lives on, you know, you create a movie, but it's, you know, shown on TV, it's shown on streaming. And, and so they have to figure out a way to compensate uh, the creators uh, for all these downstream uh, exploitation of their work. And so, you know, should it be, you know, uh, you know, 5% or 7% or whatever. So every three years, 
uh, the 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 different guilds, the different unions uh, get together with the with the uh, you know the trade association that that represents the producers, and they and they they negotiate these sorts of things. Uh, they negotiate like how much you know uh, compensation there is for for uh, something that plays on cable television, for, for instance. Uh, the hot new issue right now is AI. You know, should should there be rules of the road for using uh, creations uh, for artificial intelligence? So th- these sorts of things get negotiated. And most, time, most cycles, there isn't uh, that much of a, you know, uh, friction. You know, they come to an easy agreement, but this one was always going to be tough because three years ago, um, during the last cycle, COVID had just started and nobody wanted to disrupt everything. So all the issues that they had three years ago were kind of like kicked down the road. So, so what we have is kind of like pent up, uh, frustration from, from both sides, uh, and, and a lot of distance, uh, between, between both sides. Cause a lot of the, a lot of stuff that, that they had been holding onto were just kicked to this cycle. And, and now they have a lot of stuff to work through. So right uh, now so. is, is the end near by any chance? Uh, there was a glimmer of hope, I would say, a week or two ago when, when you know, after many, many weeks where there was not even discussions with each other, uh, the writers and the studios had started uh, negotiating again, uh, and the studios put forward uh, what they thought was a, a pretty good offer. They moved a little bit, um, but whatever optimism there was from that has kind of like gone by the wayside right now because the writers rejected it the studios made the offer public to say hey they, you know how come the writers aren't taking this which wasn't a good sign the writers didn't like that strategy so you know most people i talk to still think that there might be some settlement in the next couple of months but if this drags on to next year no one's gonna be surprised either wow that is that's going to be so. What is that, you know, with the strike going on? How does that jeopardize? Is it, you know, how is it going to affect us, the audience? Are we just not going to see new content? Is people going to be out of work? How, like, what are some of the repercussions? Yeah, repercussions of sure. all this. Uh, I think um, people will begin to to start noticing it right now. No one's noticing it because there's such a backlog of content. Uh, you know, things aren't aren't you know produced for months ahead. They're produced for years ahead. Um, and, and but uh, yeah, certainly uh, you know things are going to start drying off, uh, drying out on your on whatever streamer you you subscribe to. A lot of the the big name tentpole films have been pushed. For for instance, like the sequel to Dune uh, that was supposed to come out this autumn. Uh, it's been pushed to uh, next summer. Who know, you know, a lot of the big films are being pushed. What, why? Not necessarily because they're not done, but part of the rules for, for how these actors strike is that they can't do promotion for, for, for these works. And so if you're a movie studio and you're releasing a big film, you know, you, you depend on uh, these stars to go out and promote the films. And so none of these studios want to release 
their big stuff because they they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on it, and, and if they can't get the promotion from the big stars, then they're worried worried about the you know financial ramifications of that. So you know, certainly, I think uh, you know we're we're going to start seeing uh, content dry up. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's a big part of the California economy. I mean, I mean there's estimates that, that this, you know, uh, strike is costing billions of dollars in, 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 in you know, economic progress. So, so uh, it, it's definitely uh, uh, becoming more and more noticeable. But when do you think will be that moment when us as viewers and the people on the other side are like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, like there is nothing out there like there's no movies being released. There's not like when will that hit us? You know, I I think I think that there are the specific things is, you know, say like you know with the Emmy Awards gets canceled, um, I think people will notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think uh, you know people expecting. Uh, you know, the new season of Stranger Things or something, you know, all of a sudden, like, we'll get frustrated that it's not coming out. Then they'll start seeing the actors and they'll be in their 30s. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it, it varies for, for each individual depending on, you know, how much they what consume they're watching. Entertain- yeah, what they're watching, how much they consume entertainment. You know, a lot of people might be, you know, so into the, uh, you know, the new football season that they might not notice anything. Other people and I and I saw that go to the movies each week. So, you know, and I saw there was a story that came out recently about how, like the movie Priscilla, they got some kind of agreement so that their stars could walk a red carpet because it was shot in Canada. Now, are are we going to see more of these little like deals go through where, oh, because of where it's shot? These actors are allowed to walk a red carpet, but other actors aren't. Like, are they just trying to find loopholes for getting on the red carpet and stuff? Uh, not loopholes per se. Um, certainly, you know, a lot of the strike rules pertain to major studio work that's inside the United States, but, you know, independent productions that happen um, outside this country are beholden to different rules or you could get exemptions from that. That's always been the case. Uh, that was the case back in, I think it was 2009, the last time there was a big strike in Hollywood. Um, so so that's why certain streamers like Netflix are in better position t- to weather the strike because they have mm-hmm. a lot of foreign content coming in. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, you did. Uh, well, you were part of a story that the title of the story was "Will AI Eat Hollywood?" How how is Hollywood using AI, and what what are the fears? I mean, why is everyone so afraid of AI? I mean, is it is going to be, be in your opinion? You know, is going to be beneficial, or is just going to be you know affecting obviously actors' work because they're not going to be needed as much? How's it going to change yeah, the industry? I think it's the writers that get more affected. Than the right. It, it it really depends on 
who we're talking about because Hollywood's not just one entity. It's, it's a, a collective of different interests. You know, from a studio perspective, uh, they use AI a couple different ways. Right now, they're using AI to uh, in post-production for special effects and, and making things a little cheaper and easier to do. They're also starting to uh, dabble in the use of AI for programming uh, purposes, you know, to figuring out like what, what it is they should produce. I think that the main worries, you know, you hear about are, you know, first of all, you know, writers, you know, this, their scripts being fed into, uh, you know, chat GPT or whatever, you know, and, and, you know, a new script coming out. I don't think, I don't think anyone is quite ready to, to go that far in Hollywood. But that is the concern for them. As for actors, um, they're concerned about deep fakes um, and and this you know simulation of their their voices and their images. And it's kind of interesting to me because I think that AI is is one of those issues that has the power to kind of divide the actors because it means different things for different actors. Mm-hmm. If you're Tom Cruise or Jennifer Lawrence or a big name star, uh, AI might mean the ability for you to license your your image and name and to basically you know do as many projects as you want you know right now the thing that that's you know holds you back from accepting every job is 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 your time and the fact that you can only be in one place at one time um but if you know a, a technology comes along where all you have to do is you know sign your name and you know allow your likeness to be used in some controlled manner they might be interested in doing that and doing that that's actually what a fascinating way to think about that i i did not even process that i was stuck on the the writing aspect and how you could literally put in you know give me a two-hour movie script for of a a horror movie where spiders attack a village and it pops it out but i didn't think about actors and little actors clearly would not want that like they want to be on camera they want to utilize their talent the big actors wow like using tom we already know tom cruise deep fake like that guy looks just like tom cruise who we see all over social media but him being able to do 20 movies a year because he signs off the rights to his image his voice all of that stuff that is fascinating but then like okay now award shows come around if someone was deep faked through a whole movie, are they, can they still be up for an award? No, because they, they didn't actually act right. Like that's crazy. I mean, if, if I was Morgan Freeman, what I'd be doing is setting up a company and just licensing my voice for, for voiceovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, this stuff is coming along and coming along and it's going to take work from just the normal, you know, run of the mill actors. So I think from a, from an acting perspective, it gets really complex and and difficult. Um, but you know, I, I'm sure you know a few years down the line, we're gonna start seeing you know a, 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 a movie that's written by a bot, that's you know directed by a bot, starring digital likenesses and all that. Some someone will experiment with it. And Adam, just to be clear, if I could do AI on my me right now, I would. I'm just letting you know. I love hanging out with you, but I would 100% license off my my voice and image. I don't blame you. How much does it, <laughs> Dax? You might know the answer, and I don't know. I mean, it's just how much does it cost? You know, obviously, the Screen Actors Guild is on strike. How much does it cost to be in the Screen Actors Guild a year? 
Do you guys know? Uh, I, I remember it was like a couple. It, well, it depends on how much money you make. That's number one because you're paying dues based on your income. But for someone who doesn't make a lot of money, you, you're paying a, a couple hundred dollars to be a part of SAG. At least SAG is what I know of. And then depending on how much you make, you pay a percentage of that into SAG. That's okay. correct. And but you, get, with, you also get yeah. health insurance and everything like that. So it's not, you know, it's a deal. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so funny. One time I was writing, I was walking by the Writers Guild. Uh, was it Writers Guild? No, the Actors Guild. Where are they? And I saw Gabby from, uh, is that her name? The girl from 90210, the head of. Uh, yeah, she's the yeah. president. Yeah. Yeah, she's Gabrielle the president. And I just saw her outside, like, just pro. She was like, just asking people to, like, petition. And I was like, wait, what are you doing here? Like, it's kind of surreal when you see them as a real person and, like, serving but that is like that is a real job that takes up a lot of time when you are the president of sag i mean you are representing all the actors out there from a list to z list you are it's a big role to take on and a lot of well-known actors uh, you know are i don't want to say apply but are a part of the voting process to become the president you know back in the day ronald reagan was the president of sag Mm -hmm. that's uh, right yeah. That's so. But when you serve as the president of SAG, so right now it's um, the nanny, it's uh, Fran Drescher. Does mm-hmm, she take a right. salary as that position? I don't think there's a salary attached to it, but it, but um, I could be wrong about that. I have to check. But uh, it is very political. They have they hold elections over this, and they have they have different you know parties uh, within SAG that that you know one's a hardliner party and the other is a kind of moderates and and is it's it's incredible i mean this this you know it, it really is a a process yeah so i, I want to get on to a story that we were talking about earlier or i guess a couple of days ago on our raw rundown that has been a really big story that puck news actually broke and has been talking about was this scooter braun story and uh, a bunch of his artists kind of leaving his his realm you know we're talking uh, um Demi Lovato, Manzel. There was rumors going around about Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande and all these people. Can you catch us up to speed on what the truth is? Where, like, what's happening? Because there's just so many conflicting stories going on out there that I want to know what you guys know. Right. I personally, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm like everyone else. I, uh, I'm tuning in. I think it's really interesting and lots of good rumors. Uh, I don't know why exactly everyone is, is leaving Scooter right now. I know that there are, that there are some issues. I know that, that he has an, uh, a personality, let's say that, that, uh, isn't to the liking of many people. Uh, he's rubbed a lot of people, um, the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not quite surprising to me that, that, um, he's having this moment. Um, on the other hand, you know, his people are pushing back and saying, you know, oh, he's just moving on to different, new, bigger, better things. Um, but uh, obviously he's having uh, trouble right now. And um, um, yeah, that's about uh, my, my thing is, is, is it actually trouble or is it just reorganizing? Because, you know, what we talked about was he is now moving to the CEO role uh, in his company so he can't do that day-to-day managing. So it's not so much that Justin is not going to be managed by him. He just won't be one-on-one managed by him. At least that's kind of what I, we've heard. But I was just seeing if you had any more insight, if it's they're not so much exiting as restructuring. 
from all I know, it, this is an exit. <laughs> uh, it might be being spun as a restructure at the moment, and okay, um, and, and and everything like that. But you know, a lot of it's being done. You know, um, just to you know, as a favor. You know, but but I think a few months from now, it'll become apparent that a lot of these artists um, are at different houses. That would be my my guess. Um, but you know, we'll see. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Can you explain us everything that's going on in the blind side story? Where does this family stand with this guy? What, what's the latest? Is it actually going to go to court? Cause I was, there's, he's in book, he's in book promo mode. So I don't know sure. what part to follow. Right. So the conservatorship was established in 2004. And right now there's a petition to basically unwind the conservatorship to, to, uh, and as well as an accounting, you know, you know, tell us all the money that, that is there, uh, all the money that, that, you know, you made off of his name and likeness. Um, and then, you know, maybe distribute the money. So that's, what's going on in, in somewhere. I think it's Tennessee. Um, but it's a, it's a really sad situation. Uh, I also think that, that, uh, it's a misunderstood situation because, um, you know, the petition was filed and a lot of people got the idea that the family was trying to take advantage of him because of this movie. And that doesn't really make sense to me because the the conservatorship was established in 2004. The the book, The Blind Side, Michael Lewis's book, didn't even come out to 2005. The movie didn't come out to 2009. He wasn't drafted until 2009. So there's no possible way that they established the conservatorship knowing that, you know, Hollywood there's was going to be a movie, yeah. Oscar winning movie that would make hundreds of millions of dollars. The sad part of the situation, however, is the fact that, I mean, if it's true that he thought he was being adopted and he wasn't, um, that he was, you know, this conservatorship was going to be established over him, which basically like seeded the control he had to make financial decisions for himself. That's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty sad situation. And I'm not sure why, uh, that was the, the choice that was made. Um, maybe we'll hear more about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't realize how wealthy the family was that it, that uh, brought in Michael Orr into their family. Like finding out that the dad had sold off his restaurant restaurant business for like two hundred million dollars. I would think that the movie money was probably nothing compared to his his restaurant empire. So I, I I can't imagine it being about the movie royalties because I don't think that would be yeah. very much. Yeah, um, these were rich people when they when they first took in. Um, to the extent that you know when Michael Orr committed to um, I think it was Mississippi State, um, you know the Tuies were were boosters there, and there was a whole investigation whether or not you know that this was all kosher, whether they had like taken in uh, this, this, this football player just to steer him to, to the university. That was Mm -hmm. the big controversy at, at the time. Um, But they were definitely successful people. Uh, And the other thing I I will say is that it's very rare um, to have a studio clue in the, the subjects of their biopics for profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, 
it doesn't happen often. Usually it's, if there is any deal, it's usually a flat fee for life story rights, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, mainly so that these people will cooperate uh, on the publicity realm when it comes out. Cause you don't want uh, the movie coming out and, and then the, the subject saying, Oh, you know, this didn't happen. This is all fake and, and all that, that, cause that ruins the good vibes of the movie coming out. But, but still, even so studios are loath to give profits to anyone. So, uh, so there's a, you know, a pr- pretty unusual situation uh, to begin with. So if we put our conspiracy hat on, <laughs> Eric, and we know Michael has talked very uh, like positive about the family in past books, in past moments, and now it has turned very negative. And he also has a book coming out right now. Could any of this be stemming from a publicity-driven angle to sell books? Uh, I think it would be a very expensive press release and PR strategy if if that was to happen. Uh, I'm not so cynical to think that 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 is just an effort to steal books. But reading between the lines, I do wonder, you know, what his financial situation is, because I mean, as an NFL player, you know, he had to have made you know lots of money. Um, so to go to court over this. Um, makes me wonder what, you know, like what happened to, to his money? Uh, what kind of financial state is he in? Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's a drive to, to, you know, sell books, but who knows? I mean, you know, I, I have seen courts used for, for PR purposes in the past, but, uh, uh, this would be kind of a strange one if, if, if that was, you know, the motivation here. You know, Dax, okay. my my first day at TMZ, I had to cover a court case, and it was – I forget the actual what was going on. I think it was like a, a robbery or some sort. Or I don't know exactly what the case was about, but um, Kristen Dunst – Kristen Dunst, that's her name, right? Kristen yeah. Kirsten doesn't yeah. say that much anymore. Um, she was in court, and she had to go on the witness stand, and there was pretty much nobody in court. And to see her in the stand – and to be her ask questions and had to testify in court was a very surreal thing to see. You know, when you see an actress, especially a big actress like her, just being, you know, had to be honestly truthful in court, had to, had to be very serious, was like very weird to see. I, you know, I'm sure you have, Eric, have had, had, you've had to go to a lot of court cases with celebrities. When you see the celebrity in the stand, what was like the wildest celebrity you've ever seen in the stands? And what was that? What was it like just being in the room with that? You mean being in the courtroom? Being in the courtroom and obviously mm-hmm. the high profile case. And when you see the celebrity there, you're reporting it. But it's it's a very serious matter to see them. You know, that- I, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not the type of person that, that you know, thinks of celebrities as as particularly different i mean my, my whole ethos in my career uh, I, has always been the way you treat people is to treat the celebrities like regular people and to treat the regular people like celebrities uh and that's how you get get people to open up to you and everything like that so when i see someone i, I you know i you know of course it, i take notes oh yeah that's that person but i don't really it doesn't register to me beyond that like oh you know um, you know, here's this, you know, famous person and, you know, they're in this sad situation sort of thing. 
Um, so, and it, it just depends on, on the situation. I, you know, I remember, you know, being in court for example, the, the Johnny Depp, uh, Amber Heard stuff. And, uh, you know, you could see the, the emotional toll of, of that situation on, on those involved. And then there are other instances where, you know, people look bored and, <laughs> and, you know, uh, they're only there because their lawyer told them that they had to be. I, I thought the Johnny Depp thing was crazy. Just seeing such a big star that I never thought I'd see on the stand getting cross-examined about crazy shit. Like that to mm -hmm. me was one of the wildest court cases just because of the content in it, knowing that he was there. He wanted to go hit the stand. He wanted to speak up uh, on his own behalf. Like you just don't see that every day. Absolutely. I mean, I, I wrote a pretty infamous column at the start of the the trial where, uh, you know, it was, it was basically directed towards Johnny Depp saying, like, what the hell are you doing here? Uh, you know, you're not, you know, I, I just didn't see any positive outcome for him. You know, even if, even, you know, if he went through the case and he won it and he won a few million dollars, I mean, in the end, he was going to be, you know, opening up his life to, to everyone. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't quite understand it. Uh, it is very rare to see, you know, but uh, you understand it now, right? Star. Like it, it did exactly well, what he wanted it to do. He did it in. Yes. I'm not sure he, about that. Look, I, 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 I respect Johnny Depp and, and everything like that. But, but I mean, like, has he, he hasn't had a, a big, uh, it's film. not. Hollywood it's not film. about the film. I mean, he hasn't even had I time so. to film anything new. Look at it. He is the face of Dior again because people he has now been kind of rectified. He is no longer the woman beater that he was before. Like that that I, kind of cleared the air. And I think people are now welcoming him back into Hollywood. He can now be the face of a brand because he's not a pariah anymore. I think that I think he drew attention. To, to the to the uh, allegations I don't think anyone would have thought he was a wife beater I think like it would have been a a, a few week story uh, no way dude she showed off. up out court with uh, maybe a black eye yeah maybe maybe I'm maybe uh I'm, I'm, I'm he was fired from I'm being naive but yeah but Look, there are say, lots of celebrities that that are accused of heinous things and we forget about them and uh those allegations in a few weeks and i think that he took a a, a domestic drama and he made it like world war three and no way you know, what are you talking about eric yeah. she was going out talking to everyone making sure everyone knew that he was a terrible person and pushing that agenda he was losing movie roles he lost pirates of the caribbean like Everything was vanishing from him, and I think that's when yeah, he got to the point of like, I need to prove that I am not what she is saying I am. I think I think all of that is attributable to the to the bad uh, attention that was brought after uh, he after he, he sued her, uh, not be, not necessarily because of her allegations, but because of the lawsuit that brought attention to her allegations. We will agree uh, to disagree know. on this one because right. I think That's that fine. his life, his his career was going downhill because of all of her allegations, and he was like, "Fuck this! I can't, I can't stop." So I have to prove that I'm not what she says I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. we could compare it to we could compare it to the you know the Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie 
uh, situation. I mean, is mm-hmm. Brad Pitt losing? Brad Pitt's not losing roles um, based on uh, you know allegations in, in in their you know marriage. And trust me, the allegations against him are in in some ways worse than the allegations against Johnny Depp. But we don't think about it because, in some ways, Brad Pitt handled the situation a lot better than than than, than Johnny Depp did, at least in my opinion. That's, I mean, you know, that's, a, that's a good perspective. I, I think it's a different perspective. I think that Angelina continued to throw gasoline on that fire because you could tell there was very personal information that kept getting leaked out from her side of the camp. To uh, and he he didn't take the bait as much. Um, but I, I guess with all the stories that have come out. What do you think it was the worst allegation that Brad Pitt was hit with during all of that? That is worse uh, than Johnny Depp throwing glass and there be you know there being all this domestic abuse allegedly going on. I think child abuse is is uh, is worse. But I don't I don't feel like there was necessarily I don't feel like that was child abuse. I feel like there was a there was a push is what they claimed on the plane. That wasn't mm-hmm. I don't beat I like Johnny Depp's was alleging that he like chucked his cell phone right at Amber's face, you know, mm-hmm. or there was physical, physical. I, I think the kid being shoved on a plane or whatever they, they said at that point didn't sound like child abuse. It sounded like uh, a pushing out of the way, not like they punch him and threw them to the floor. I don't know. I may be crazy mm-hmm. here, but I think that Johnny lost a lot more, a lot quicker. Right. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I, I wanted to ask you, Eric. Though you've covered Scientology, how is it like when you cover Scientology in court? Are they are these guys the best lawyers? Is are you scared to even cover it because you're afraid people are going to be outside your door? Uh, it's interesting. You know, I, certainly I've I've noticed Scientology leaders interested in what I do, but so far I haven't noticed. You know anyone stalking me or, or uh, hacking into my, you know, computer or anything along those lines. Everyone's been respectful, you know, uh, their camp, uh, their lawyers talk to me and everything like that. But I definitely have heard stories. Uh, it might just be that I'm not poking the bear as much as, as, as some other reporters with regard to uh, Scientology. And also, you know, I, um, I'd like to think that I'm I'm a fair reporter. So there are uh, instances, uh, like for a couple of weeks ago, uh, Leah Remney filed a lawsuit against Scientology, and uh, I wrote that I, while I respect Leah, um, I didn't think that her lawsuit was particularly uh, a sound one. Um, and so, so I think that you know they might you know see that and they say, well, at least this guy's playing fair for both sides and everything like that um as for you know who is representing them i i mean it they it's kind of strange lawyers sometimes i mean some, sometimes they're they're on the periphery of, of the legal community um you know doing good stuff and and but other times i, I just like I, I don't understand how it is they're picking their lawyers um because they come out of strange places and that's not to say that that they aren't well lawyered uh i i you know i think that they've had reasonable success in court um not 
tremendous great success, but but reasonable enough that they've been able to kind of survive these few de- last few decades. Are the lawyers Scientologists? Do you know? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, I, as far as I know, most of them are not. Um, and I've asked, uh, you know, a couple of them, um, you know, like, like, why is it that, that you're representing them? And, you know, usually it's, you know, just because they're uh, a billion some... dollar empire. That's exactly. why I'm representing they, them. They pay, <laughs> they pay the bills, uh, you know, um, but, that's, that's but here's amazing. the thing. I thought that you can't like, you're not supposed to chat it up with people who aren't Scientologists. So how would they know their business, their inner workings of the church? If they aren't Scientologists, right? I think they they get access to certain things, but not you know everything. They 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 learn what they need to know. Um, that's it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't think that they get um, access to uh, Theden's inner secrets about the uh, the you know seventeenth uh, level of existence or whatever mm. it is. Yeah, we don't talk about uh, Scientologists here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're straight Kabbalah. Yeah, that's it. Um, what? Why is Disney doing so bad right now? Because I like in my mind, I just think that Disney can ever have trouble. You know, the parks are always in demand, or so I thought. But I'm seeing that they're not getting the traffic that they once did. Then you're seeing Bob Iger having issues with that's bullshit. There is not one time I ever go to Disney that I don't wait in ridiculously yeah. long lines. So what? they're definitely still getting the traffic, uh, to the, and park. I'm not saying it's you definitely, but like, why can you explain to us? I didn't know if it's something going on in the media, not necessarily again, not you, Eric, but like what mm-hmm. is going on with Disney? Why are they having issue and trouble? Um, I mean, first of all, I think that most companies would would envy Disney's position. So, you know, they're doing good. It's just that they're such a big beast that they have problem areas. They, you know, have a lot of debt. They they've grown so grown so large and ha- have had you know a bunch of different mergers that they've acquired a bunch of debt. Bob Iger, who's the, the CEO, have has yet to identify a successor. Um, the the linear television uh, market has has been troubled, um, and so they they have these assets like ABC uh, that they're not exactly sure what to do with. ESPN is is another one. Um, you know these are big. They used to be cash cows for 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 the company, and and now there's real questions about you know what their future is. Um, at the parks is you know yeah I mean like uh, maybe the line to the the Star Wars attractions only an hour long right now as opposed to three hours long. Um, um, so I think it's doing relatively okay, and these things are cyclical. Um, but yeah, overall, I think there's, there's just kind of just existential questions hanging over the company right now. I want to know what is probably your wildest case you've ever had to cover in Hollywood news? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I, there are a few of them. First of all, you know, the big, series of cases when I first got into entertainment journalism was the, the all the stuff emanating from Anthony Pelicano, mm-hmm. um, the private eye who was spying for one half of the town on the other half. And there were all these 
thing, you know, he was working for Chris Rock and Tom Cruise and, uh, and he was tapping the phones of people like Sylvester Stallone. Um, and, and it was just wild. And there was one case after another and there were cr- criminal proceedings. And, uh, that was basically my, my entry point into, into entertainment. And it, it kind of ripped the secrets off of the town and exposed a lot of sensitivities. So, so that was certainly wild. Um, next I would say, um, the Hulk Hogan Gawker case was, was, was a pretty, um, was this Big, the sex tape thing? one? This was the sex tape one, the one that brought down Gawker. It had many twists and turns, stuff that you know I didn't understand at first, and then and then we like later learned that there was a secret funder involved. Um, but the testimony was 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 salacious. It went to trial. Um, you know, it, it was you know a huge verdict. Um, that was what that was a pretty wild one. Um, Industry-wise, I thought the Blurred Lines case was was also a a big one that had many twists and turns. And the deposition when the depositions got out, and here were you know artists that were you know basically like admitting doing drugs and lying to the press. Um, and another case that went to trial, um, very colorful. Um, and and obviously the Depp heard stuff and 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 that um, those would be kind of the, the highlights. But I, I, I'd be curious to know what your, you know, what you think, what, you know, what, just what's the, the wildest story. Yeah. I think the yeah. wildest story I have ever covered was Bruce becoming Caitlin because it was mm-hmm. so unpredictable in my opinion um, from covering the Kardashians for so many years and Bruce's role and um, watching this father figure who like didn't want to be in the spotlight but was kind of forced to be there and and then watching the stories come out that I didn't believe you know like that Bruce had a closet full of dresses I was just like this is the biggest pile of bullshit I have ever read in my entire life to uh, when Bruce got the surgery and there was a cut line on on his neck at the time and this is I'm going back and I'm referring to it as a him because this was years ago um and the cut line was there and the, there was shaved Adam's apple. And I just, I couldn't like wrap my head around it until the photos, I think, when Bruce was wearing nail polish driving around. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, is this, is this true? And then came out that uh, it, um, she was now Caitlin. And, and then everything switched. And I, I think that story just blew my mind because it was so different and I, I don't know. It was just wild. Yeah, absolutely. And you, as you were mentioning that and mentioning the Kardashians, those obviously were, were great stories too. And I'd also, it also made me think of uh, everything that was going on with Kanye West. Um, mm-hmm. Cause, cause his was another saga that was just explosive, you know, in terms. And I would say, and you know, I mean, yeah. Brittany's been 20 years of consistent, news coming out and not all of it good obviously but Mm -hmm. thinking back to that moment when she shaved her head and knowing exactly where i was when i got the phone call and sent the picture that was crazy the tiger woods story was 
you know, incredible at the time, just because it was just every day there was something new, something different that was coming out. So I'd say those would be in my top wildest stories. What about you, Adam? Um, I'd probably go Caitlyn Jenner. There was the one that that was the one that blew my mind. I think it was the Adam's apple when the the photo of her coming from a a doctor's office, mm-hmm. and this is when she was Bruce. I think you're just starting to. It was just like, what is going on here? You 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 start to question if this was another Kardashian sort of spin, mm-hmm. or if this was actually going on. So I think when you found that it was genuine, it was real. It's. I mean, I agree with you, Dex. That was wild. And then I don't really. I mean, mine were like sort of like celebrity deaths. I I feel like mine was like Whitney Houston. I remember mm-hmm. where I was, and that that one just and I had to. I was in New Jersey. I was at. The, Are you crying right uh, now? No, no, no. I, back? No, I was just trying to think <laughs> where I was. I'm, I'm trying. I remember being in Newark for the. Dude, to be honest with you, it was so gross. We were. Oh, this was so gnarly. We were in Newark for the funeral, um, not the burial, but actually the. Are you the talking funeral. of Whitney? Of Whitney, and there was no place to go to the bathroom. I remember we're in this not great area. And people were charging to like go to the bathroom, like in the back property of lawns. And I remember just seeing reporters just like peeing in lawns, and like what? it was just the oddest thing, dude. Like you're staked out because everyone was doing the shots, but it was just a very weird place to be. Like there's how no much? Place how to much would it eat. cost to go take a piss in someone's backyard? Guys were saying, "Hey, listen, if you want, I'll go charge your phone. You want me to charge your phone? It's twenty dollars. I'll be back with your phone." And then, like, do I actually think this guy's going to come back with my phone? You know, I want like to know how much it was to take a pee in someone's yard. I use the Gatorade bottle. Um, so, oh my god! And I, <laughs> yeah, but it was just I. But secrets of the trade. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I mean, court case. It's man, I've done so many. It's hard to really think about it. Like, it, I'd have to go through like an almanac or some like where I was at that time. I mean, I've like you guys. I mean, I've been through. I've been through battle. I've been through so many court cases where, I mean. Eric, you know, for me, I'm trying to get the shots when the I'm in the New York courts, which rarely are you allowed to put cameras in New York courts. So what I would do is I would shoot the celebrity going into the court. Then I'd have to run, put my camera away, run up to like watch the court case go on. Then I had to run out and find out which door they're going to sneak the person out of. So it was like total Mm -hmm. like chaos. It was Mm -hmm. it was chaos. I've done that so many times and the stress levels of making sure you get the shot and making sure like you get the shot instead of another outlet. It was and the cameras are like fighting each other for no reason just to get a shot. It, it like added to the appeal. I mean, I hated court stuff because dude, I hated it. it there's was so really many miserable. exits um, from a courthouse. I remember I was there for Michelle Rodriguez when she had her like DUI stuff back in the day. And I was in the courtroom and then I was like, okay, it's wrapping up. Now I got to run downstairs, be outside. So when she comes out, but it's like, they see you out there, they can take another exit. It's like, that is one of the hardest things to cover is people entering and exiting courthouses. And like, if it's at the downtown LA one, I mean, they've got like literally secret tunnels from the, you know, the Disney concert hall where you park all the way over there and then take a secret tunnel in. I mean, it's like, it's so hard to get people walking in and out of court. Yeah. Especially with like TMZ where if, if you didn't get the shot, you were, you were going to get yelled at. And it wasn't yeah. you were going to be on more. You know, your life was on the, your job was on the line if you didn't get that shot. And it was so stupid. Like it could have been a worthless shot, but that's just how it was. Um, I mean, it drove me 
crazy. What uh, is there? Are, how often are you in court? Um, these days I'm lucky enough that I get to pick and choose what I want. To, That's great. To, um, but uh, I'm I'm usually in court maybe once a week or so. Um, are you? You know a lot. A lot yeah. Yeah, that's got to be a great feel. Like, what was the case in Hollywood that, I mean, since you see everything that goes in and out, is there one case that you saw that didn't get enough attention that you think deserved to be? There's like a wild story. Like, I, I one one that goes yeah. to mind because I follow you on Twitter is the is the bad boy story. You kind of kind of this about the rights of who wrote the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like, no, I, I, like, it's an interesting story. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of stories that, that are that are not told. You know, one thing that people don't re- realize is that it's always been a cat and mouse game between lawyers and reporters. Um, and you know, because of reporters like myself, uh, I think you know the industry has been using arbitration a lot more and more um to to hide stuff um uh, especially in the movie industry you know in music you can you know everything's out in the open in in, in yeah. the movie world it's it's like very rare to see um you know open cases and everything like that and family uh law stuff is 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 the same way it's just very very closed um you know I, you know, certainly there are lots of situations where I wonder, you know, like, why isn't this getting more attention and everything like that? Um, you know, I recently did a story about, you know, Robert De Niro and his, his assistant that was, you know, kind of flying under the radar. Or I did a story about Justin Thoreau, uh, who uh, one of the actors on, on Leftovers and, and a bunch of other and his neighbor, which I thought was was absolutely hilarious. Um, but so, you know, there are situations that, that come up for whatever reason that get lost in the cracks or they, they um, are covered. I, I you know, it's, it's not so much that, that I think that, that there are situations that, that deserve more coverage. I think that a lot of times uh, reporters will focus on the beginning and the end of a case uh, when a lot of the best stuff happens in the middle of the case, you know, during, during, you know, depositions and, 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 and discovery. Um, and, and so that's, that's like kind of my sweet spot, uh, is, is, you know, endurance and paying attention to the stuff that, that, you know, people might have forgotten about. And then all of a sudden you do something that, you know, p- you know, people, you know, thought, Oh, I thought this was over six years ago. Uh, and, and, you know, so that's, that's what I love doing. Eric, question for you. What Puck News? Why is it called Puck News? Is this a, a bigger brand that was behind it? Why, why Puck? Sure. Um, I don't know if any of you are Shakespeare fans, but Puck was a character, a mischievous character in Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, I think that was the, the, the first instance of Puck, but also Puck was the um, the first uh, literary magazine in in, in uh in the United States, uh, in the 19th century, uh, there was a pretty, um, famous, uh, puck magazine. Uh, 
And if you, you ever go to New York City, there's actually a building called the Puck Building where, where the magazine used to used to be at. So it has kind of like journalism roots. Um, as for Puck, you know, we're, you know, that's kind of how we see ourselves as, you know, like an upstart, slightly mischievous, ha- having, you know, a little bit of an arch tone. But, you know, overall, just kind of, you know, and knowing this, um, yeah. That's 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 basically it. I mean, it's it's a it's a you know a small, uh, you know, up by its uh, bootstraps right now. But uh, hopefully, we're we're onto good things. Yeah, and for no uh, for people that haven't heard of it, go check it out. I mean, they cover everything from Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, Hollywood. It's kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining us, man. And for anyone who wants to follow Eric on social media, you can find him at. Eric Gardner, but with a Q, E-R-I-Q, Gardner. Um, and uh, he, he's a good follow. I know uh, Adam spoke very positive about you for, for quite a while, so I'm glad we were able to get you on. And thanks for taking the time to just sit and chat with us for a little bit, man. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad you had me. Quartz, man. That's that's not the easiest thing to follow because you need to know. It's a, it's a hard thing to write about because you, you need to know all the ins and outs, the legal words and vocabulary to use um Mm -hmm. it's you need to know the laws all the things that we never are able to say properly i you know so funny i tried writing some story i did some like kind of reporting for an outlet and i tried covering the legal stories the law you know and they were just too difficult it's hard to understand it it's hard to you say something wrong it like it actually has a big consequence because you have to say legal shit correctly Yep. Yeah, but just also he's a very established writer working at the Hollywood Reporter, which you know I think for any sort of publicist, as far as Hollywood publicists, that's the one outlet you need to have the best relationship with because you want to be in the Hollywood Reporter at all times. Yep. Like totally he's like, hey, if you're going to be a publicist or going to hire someone, what's your relationship with the Hollywood Reporter? Because it's the only outlet we want to consistently be in because it shows that you're majority of the time it shows that you're working. Hey, I got mm-hmm. a new film. I got this project. Yeah, you want to be in that. You want to be in Deadline, and they're not easy to get into. So, but he was That's, covering the other us part of it, which is the legal part. Yeah, and just to be clear, Adam and I have never been in the Hollywood Reporter because we suck. I have never been. De- no, it's so funny. <laughs> One show I was involved in got on Deadline, and okay, even, and then even put my name in it. I was so <laughs> pissed. I was like, dude. I'm the fucking host. Are you kidding me? You mentioned the show. You mentioned everything, but you don't put my name in it. You that, And honestly, I don't think it's their fault. I think it was yeah. the person who did it wanted to make sure my name yeah. wasn't on it. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Well, that was interesting. I hope people got something uh, out of this podcast. Uh, really, I, I think the thing that really blew my mind was that AI talk and how – huge celebrities could use it to their advantage because we're always talking about how ai is going to kill hollywood kill writers kill all this and then you then you think of the flip side of how certain people could use it to their advantage to make more money and spend less time on sets Uh, really fascinating um anyway thank you guys for taking a listen make sure you leave us a review we really appreciate it head on over to apple Podcasts, find our show scroll to the bottom of the page leave us a review five stars only uh leave us a few kind words say something whether it's your favorite episode or where you're from or whatever leave your name so we can give you a little shout out there and if you guys want to continue this conversation uh join our private facebook page called off the record 
search it out, or you can go to the link in uh, our link tree in our Instagram page, or just go hollywoodraw.com. It'll have a direct link in there to our Facebook page if you're having trouble finding it. Um, and then we'll let you in and you can come join the community. And as we chat about kind of all things entertainment or breaking news, or if you guys just want to ask us questions, it's all in there. You can follow Adam at Adam Glenn. You can follow me at Dax Holt and you can follow Hollywood Raw on all other platforms, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all of it. We are out there. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.